Hey, Manager After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage Up for God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to talk about the return of Christ. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over a decade. And so far, we have four young children. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over seven years through blogging and social media. With the desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe that Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God. Together. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us this week. We are so excited to be back for another episode of Marriage After God. And we're both kind of fired up for this episode. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, But before we jump in... We'd really like to encourage you guys to um, check out the Marriage Prayer Challenge if you have not already. Um, I know a lot of you already have signed up. Some of you have been putting it off, though. And so this is just a friendly nudge to go sign up right now because it's free and it's awesome. So marriageprayerchallenge.com. Super simple. Sign up. Again, it's free. Uh, we created it for you guys to encourage your prayer life as um, husband and wife. And uh, there's a husband version and a wife version. So we want to encourage you guys to even do it together. So um, talk to each other about signing up today. And I want to give them one more challenge. I dare them, if we had every single person listening, leave us a star rating today. Mm. Uh, so we're at almost 2,000 star ratings, which is amazing. Oh, and cool. y- whoever's done it, if you're listening, you get less, left us rating. You are awesome. And if you have not, we ch- we dare you to get give us a star rating today. Uh, we <laughs> tell, get, tell them why it's important. Uh, so every rating, uh, first of all, lets other people be able to read the reviews and see the ratings and say, oh, this podcast, uh, this, this show's great. Um, or not great. <laughs> Hopefully great. Um, but it's it also, it works in the algorithms. So how um, people find new podcasts is based off of reviews and ratings. Yeah. So I dare you to leave us a star rating and a review today. 
and you would just bless our socks off <laughs> if you did it. So take the challenge. Dare ya. <laughs> okay, you guys, we're super excited about today's episode about, uh, you, we're just talking about the return of Christ. And I feel like it goes hand in hand with last week's episode uh, about the gospel. Yeah, we ended on talking about hope. Yeah. And uh, this is our hope mm-hmm. that this life is temporary. Yeah. But we have an eternal one waiting for us. <laughs> so if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's about the gospel, you should just pause right now. Go go listen and come back to this one. <laughs> yeah, listen to the gospel one first. That one's uh, that one's powerful. Yeah. Okay, you guys. So uh, we're going to jump in. Let's do this, Aaron. So I got a question for you. Why um, why should we talk about the return of Christ? Because it's in the Bible. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we should talk about all things that are in the Bible. That is true. <laughs> yeah. But I get excited about it. Yeah. But what does it do for us? Like that, that hope or like what, why are we like, why is it something that should, should be in our hearts and minds more I, regularly? I think that, um, I think that it stirs up an urgency and excitement for sharing the gospel with our words and our lives with everyone around us. Right. And I'm not talking about the kind of urgency that's based in fear, you know, when we keep our eyes on current events or things like that. Um, Which could invoke fear. <laughs> right. But we're not letting that propel us to consider the return of Christ. And it's not this like, hurry up now, or like, or even that urgency to go tell your friends because Christ is returning, but but rather because the power of the gospel is enough. Right. Um, rather, it's this pure urgency, like the kind of message you get on social media that says, don't wait to tell that certain person in your life how much you love them because no yeah. one's guaranteed tomorrow. No one aren't. is, yeah. And I, w- I would also think like the, the early church, like literally when the church first began in Acts and we read the epistles in the New Testament, they, even then, like Paul said, like Christ is returning. Like, so be aware, gird your loins, like yeah. run the race, like all these things. And he, they even longed and looked forward to that, you know, what the Bible calls the Lord's day. Yeah. And without that urgency to love in our hearts, we can kind of tend to get complacent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like It happens. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I want to talk about that. Um, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4, it says, talking about complacency, uh, it says, they will say, where's the promise of this co- of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Okay, and that was even way back then. And <laughs> yeah. I think there's a general response even today to hearing the, the words, Jesus is coming back, wouldn't you say? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, but n- that, that's like way out in the future. People push or, it off. But you know what? Why should we pay attention? Because he says to. Yeah. He says he's coming. He says to stay awake, to be alert. like that, Because he is coming back for his church. And I think the church should be excited about that. Like the, the very last few verses of Revelation says, come Lord Jesus, come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like that should be our heart's desire. Come Lord Jesus, come. Because uh, I just w- want to give a picture real quick of the wedding feast, which is a picture of the of us going to be in the, in heaven with, with God and the, and what's going to happen with that. And um, the way Jewish weddings took place was the bride waited for the groom. 
in our Western culture, we kind of do this thing where the, the groom's at the end of the thing and the, the bride walks down, which is not bad. But the, when we have the, the, the Hebrew perspective, you see this beautiful picture of the bride waiting, like the church, the church is waiting for the groom, the bride waits for the groom. And then the groom comes at an unknown time from preparing their home. He was getting their, their affairs in order. He was get, he was building a house. He was, he was, which Jesus says in John, I uh, go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will also come again and take you so that you will be where I am at. That's yeah. what Jesus promised to his disciples and mm-hmm. to the, to everyone that would believe through them. And so the groom's coming. And we should be excited about that. We should be prepared. That's awesome. We should be prepared and ready for that. Yeah. So um, we just want to, I want to bring up some of these ideas of like Jesus is coming back. And ever since Jesus ascended into heaven um, and returned, or ever, ever since Jesus ascended into heaven and then on the day of Pentecost sent his spirit, from the day of Pentecost till today and until Christ returns is called the church age. That's the age we live in. So I just want to interject for one quick second, because as you were talking and you said the word church age, Mm -hmm. I had to share something. I don't think I've shared on the podcast yet, but pretty excited about when I um, first heard it. And um, I don't, I feel bad. I don't remember where I heard it from, so I don't know who to credit, but they were talking about how this is the first time in history that the church and the nation of Israel has existed simultaneously. And wasn't it Pastor Jack Hibbs? It could have been. And if you guys need a resource for any of this, you know, kind of stuff, <laughs> he's a great one. Um, he talks about current events and end times and all of that and the return of Christ. But um, but he, they were just talking about how this is the first time in history. And when I say first time in history, obviously, the nation of Israel has been um, an established nation for the last yes, 70 years. Right? So this portion of history is the first time that in relation the to, church, oh, yeah, as in Christians, Christ, uh, you know, Holy Spirit indwelt and the believers nation of Israel and the nation of Israel have existed in the same space of genera- time generation. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was cool. really cool. Yeah, so this is the church age, and what that means, it's the period of time between Pentecost and the rapture when the church is taken home to be with Christ. Um, and what's awesome about knowing this, and this is a, a, a part of what we're talking about today with with Christ coming back is this is currently the time when God's grace and patience is being poured out on all of humanity. Um, you know, if you ask yourself, like, why don't we just see God's wrath poured out in certain places or why doesn't someone just get struck down by lightning or like the stories that we hear it's because currently in the church age, God's grace and patience is being experienced. And there's a reason for that. It says in Romans 2, verses 3 through 5, puts it this way. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So remember, we talked about Romans in last episode about the gospel. The first half of Romans is essentially the state of man without Christ. And and right here, this is talking about how um, hypocritical it is for a man under the wrath of God to judge another man under the wrath of God, <laughs> right? Um, but what it's saying is, is that God's kindness and forbearance and patience 
is intended to lead men to repentance. So currently this church age, God's patience and kindness in returning and in meeting out his wrath on the world and, and his judgment, which is going to come in the form of fire, mm-hmm. which Revelations tells us about, is literally so that people would come know him and be saved from that wrath. So it's kind of like this like dichotomy of like, well, we, we want him to take his time because we want people to come to know the Lord. And then as a Christian, I'm like, I want him to come back. I want, I want to be, be with I him. want to be with my Lord. Yeah. yeah. So that this this is the church age. We live in the age where God's patience and kindness and mercies are with man. What a true gift that is, God's patience. I mean, when I just think about his patience with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want patience for ourselves. Uh, so his patience is meant, though, to lead us re- to repentance. Yeah. So here's an interesting. That's how Elliot says it. Interesting. <laughs> here's an interesting verse I found in First um, Peter three twenty, uh, in talking about God's patience. But it says, "When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, because that took a long time. It took like a hundred years. That's a long time. Yeah. In which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. I just read that verse the other day too. Really? Yeah. It's interesting." It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Peter ties God's patience back into his second letter as well. And I really love this verse, but it's second Peter three, eight through nine, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slow in, slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So again, in this period of time, this age we live in, God's patience is intended that none should perish, but that we would reach repentance, that we would turn our minds and our hearts from not believing in God and not believing his word and not obeying him to doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. That's what repentance means, to change our minds. And so... It's a, it's a good thing. This generation we live in is an amazing generation that God gets to pour out a spirit. Hey, Marriage After God family. Jennifer and I have been parents for over six years now, and we have our fifth child on the way. But that by no means makes us experts. I don't know about you, but there are many days where I literally feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. But the one thing I am sure of is that it is my wife's and my responsibility to raise our kids to know God and His Word, especially in the world we live in today. That is why it is so important that we reach out for help from other godly Christian parents when we need it. And sometimes we may just need some friendly reminders and encouragement. With that being said, we want to introduce you to our good friends Isaac and Angie Tolpin from the Courageous Parenting Podcast. They're offering our listeners a completely free parenting workshop where you will learn six keys to equipping confident Christian kids for an uncertain world. Isaac and Angie Tolpin have eight kids ranging from young adult to toddler and have been married for over 20 years and they've been our close and personal friends for over five years. Please take a moment today and register for their free workshop. We know you will be blessed by it. Now, please enjoy the rest of this episode uninterrupted. God gets to pour out his spirit and his patience and that people get to come to know him. That it wasn't just like done and now I'm going to destroy everything. And no, he's, he's, waiting. Uh, And I like that you brought up Noah and God's patience with Noah building the ark and with the world, because the entire time that Noah was building the ark, what he was doing was a witness to the world of what God was going to do. Mm. 
In the same way, what the church is doing in loving one another, in being in unity and one mind and one spirit and preaching the gospel is doing what Noah did. Jesus Christ is the ark. So Noah's ark saved all the animals, saved eight persons. Jesus is the ark. He's the only way to be saved from the coming flood of fire, I should say. And so we talked, we talked about the gospel last episode, but we're talking about like for those that have believed the gospel, have received Christ, we now have this hope of, of realizing like, wait a minute, we're going to be on that ark. Mm-hmm. We're going to be saved from the judgment that God's going to pour out on this earth. And so not only are we excited about being saved from that judgment, we're also excited because the Bible calls him the groom and the king and the friend mm-hmm. and the shepherd and all of these terms to re- to represent who Christ is to us, all the more reasons why we're excited for him to come back for his church, mm-hmm. his people, the ones who have said, yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I don't know if other people can relate to this, but, um, and we've talked about this before, but both of us um, in our childhood had this. Ever since I was young. Like, I don't even remember when. Longing and almost desire slash understanding that this would be the generation. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, we're not going to prophesy anything because we're, we're not prophets. No way. And we're not here to, this isn't even really an, an end times, how people you know talk about end times episode. This is just to talk about what the Bible says about Jesus coming back for us. But I do think it's interesting that we both have had this experience mm-hmm. where even from a really, really, really small child, we've We've understood that Jesus is coming back for us and that we hope for it. But I have believed that I'm going to see it. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And I don't too. know if I'm going to or not, but I have a feeling I'm going <laughs> to. So, uh, And we're not the only ones. We have talked to other people about Yeah, this. exactly. I'm sure the people are listening like, I've thought that. Yeah, but it's okay if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but regardless, because people since Christ first ascended into heaven mm-hmm. have been believing that he was coming back in their generation. But that shouldn't, none of that should be like, oh, well, see, he's never coming back because we just talked about that. Mm. No, he is coming back. Yeah. For his church. I also got to, I also got to um, make it a point to say this isn't, you know, Aaron and Jennifer putting a time stamp on this event because. <laughs> Don't that, come back to this people, episode and be like, see, Aaron, <laughs> Jennifer, you guys no said. Way. No, but people do do that. And yeah. I, I think that that is. Um, I, I think that it's important that we stick to scripture and what scripture has to say about exactly. the coming of the, the Lord. Yeah. And there's, and the, the only reason we want to bring it up again is this right here. And first Thessalonians chapter four, verse 13 through 18 says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with him caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
And so we will always be with the Lord. And then this last verse, therefore encourage one another with these words. So he's encouraging the, the brothers in Thess- Thessalonica about those that have died. Mm-hmm. And he says, we don't think of Christians who die as dead. We think of them as asleep. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul said. And he's encouraging and saying, hey, Christ was raised. We are going to be raised. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're going to mourn. Yes, it's sad that we've lost our brothers and sisters and friends and loved ones. But for the believer, it is not the end. For the believer, that is not the final word. Mm-hmm. They are going to be resurrected. They are going to be with the Lord. And he even says like those people that have fallen asleep before us, they get the benefit of being raised first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's that he's saying anyone who's alive when the Lord returns, they will be taken next. Yeah. And so, but, but the, the, the crux of what I want to get out of this is he says, therefore encourage one another with these words. Mm-hmm. Death isn't the final word. Mm-mm. We will be raised. Christ is coming back. Be encouraged with these words. It also doesn't say that you need this, that, and another thing to be able to use these words to encourage someone. You just need these words. These words are enough to encourage someone. When I think of the words together with them to meet the Lord, like these yeah. are encouraging words, you guys. And I think it's important that we we share them mm-hmm. with each other. I want to point out one other thing in this verse. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. So the first time Jesus came, he came as a lamb, mm-hmm. silent, went before his shears, was crucified, right? Mm-hmm. The second time Christ is coming, he's not coming as a lamb. Mm-mm. He's coming as a king. In power in power and in might and with judgment. Mm -hmm. Like he is the king. The the Bible calls him the lion and the lamb. Mm -hmm. So he came as a lamb. He's coming as a lion next, um, which is probably a better analogy because that fits perfectly together. (laughs) Um, But that's what's awesome. He's coming and we want to be with him in glory, not against him Mm -hmm. because the world will be against him and try and fight that. So, um, in Acts 1, 6 through 11, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So I almost wish I would have read this before you read that last verse, but. Well, because it, it, we just read how picture. he's coming. Yeah. It's, He's coming the same way and he's actually coming in the same place he left. He left on the Mount of Olives. Mm -hmm. He's coming back on the Mount of Olives. And so he's like, he doesn't do anything out of order. And, and so these angels standing next to the men, I'm assuming they're angels. It says men in white robes, but they're telling the disciples, Hey, uh, stop looking up. He's cause the way you saw him leave, he's coming again, Mm -hmm. just like this. And we just read in, in that other verse, Mm -hmm that he comes in the clouds with a trumpet, with a loud cry, with a cry of an archangel. Like that's how it's happening. And uh, there's another scripture that says that every eye will see. Everyone will see, which is an incredible thought. And so here's the deal. 
Christ is coming back for his church. And this news should give us hope. And this news should give <laughs> us hope. It should, if, it, if it puts fear in us, because I'm going to be honest, when I was younger, even though I knew Christ was coming back, there were times in my life, especially when, like I talked about in the last episode, walking in certain sins I had, that was like addictions that I had, mm-hmm. I had fears about Christ returning. And the Bible talks about this idea of not standing before Christ on the, on the day of visitation, the, the time when he returns in shame. Mm. And so if there's, if there's fear in your heart, I would ask you to pray and ask God to reveal to you why. Is there unrepentant sin in your life? Are there things in your life that you've put above Christ? Right. Because I remember before I was married, I even thought like, Jesus, you I just want to be married first. Just let me get married first. Yeah. And then it was, I just want to, I just want to have our first child. Yeah. Yeah. And which are not bad things, but when those things are now trumping my, they become an idol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also going back to that false belief. I don't really have, a, I didn't, we must not have a full understanding of what it means mm-hmm. for Christ to come back. If we're thinking about these very temporary mm-hmm. um, experiences. Again, they're not bad things to desire to be married and to want children and whatever those good things yeah. are. But if we're saying like, Christ, don't come back until like we, have something out of or- we have something out of order. Yeah, we shouldn't ever be telling him what to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not uh, our job. Um, another part of fear that I just want to um, ask you to, to touch on really quick is that that part of fear that gets stimulated by the unknowns. And even though reading scripture tells us how it's going to unfold and play out, there's parts of it that are in our humanness. It's so hard to grasp. Yeah. And there's so, a lot of it that isn't fully known yeah. as well. So how, how can you speak to the heart that isn't, isn't, um, I don't want to say they're fearful, but maybe just afraid of the unknowns or like, mm-hmm. how is that going to happen? Well, I think we combat those things with, the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. So getting into the word of God, mm-hmm. washing ourselves in it, and then just trusting him. Like yeah. he's good. Like we letting God do the work in us mm-hmm. and just being excited for what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a scripture. I can't remember where it's at. And it says for our current, our current struggles are nothing to be compared with the coming glory. Mm-hmm. And Paul was saying, Hey, like we, we have these trials. We have these hard things, cancer, suffering, um, persecution, uh, death, all of these things. And he's saying none of these current sufferings, Mm -hmm. the things that we deal with, the things that we have no control over, are anything to be compared Mm -hmm. to the coming glory. And the Bible explains what the coming glory is, but there's no way for us to comprehend it Mm -hmm. fully until it happens. And so just encouraging ourselves, reminding each other like, Hey, like this is hard right now, or we may not know, but just know this, the Lord's coming. Yeah. We're going to be with him. He's going to make it all right. He's going to take, wipe the tears away. He's going to take away the pain. Mm -hmm. He's going to give us, you know, new bodies. Like we're, he's going to make it all right. And we'll be with him. And we'll be with him. (laughs) So, um, you know, the part of hope that I really love is that that um, definition that it's a, it's a holy expectation for us being with him and our hearts mm-hmm. desiring that. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to talk about some of the hope. So Christ coming back means a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? So we, we, we live in a world that is so broken, so lost, so dark. It could be hopeless. It could feel that way. We can look around and be like, how is this going to get fixed? What leader is going to rise up and make this right? 
right? And the Bible talks about that actually. There's going there is going to be a leader that's going to try and do it. So you should go read that in, in a couple of the New Testament books. But here's the deal. Christ is going to come back and the wickedness and the brokenness is going to be dealt with. It's going to be taken care of. The, the things that are broken in this world are going to be made right. And so we should be excited about that. We could look at the world and say, this is, there's no way this is going to get fixed. And then we can be like, oh, wait a minute. It is going to be fixed. Christ is going to take care of this. He's going to fix this. There's not going to be any more sorrows, no more pain, no more tears. That's our hope. Our hope's not for, for retirement. Our hope's not for our 401k. Our hope's not for the, the next job raise or the, you know, when we are going to take that trip or the next house we're going to buy or then none of those things can give us the hope that is lasting. To be honest, all we can get all of those things and have no hope. <laughs> the, the hope is what Christ has said and who he is and that he's coming back. And so no matter where we're at, no matter where you're at, listener, your hope is in Christ, who is constant and perfect and gentle and patient and will come back and take you to be with him if your faith's in him. And so that's our hope. So none of these things other than Christ. I wanted to take a minute to read an excerpt from the last chapter of our book, Marriage After God, because we talk about this idea of Jesus coming back. Oh, yeah. And then we can dig into the why is that important to consider um, that Jesus is coming back for us. So everyone hang tight. And I'm just going to read um, a little bit from Marriage After God. This is chapter 16, Chasing After God Together. With the desire to walk in His will and His ways and in marriages that claim the name of Christ, we must never forget that our Lord and Savior is coming back for us, His bride, and He will do so in a miraculous way. While we are waiting for His return, we must let this knowledge of His testimony and second coming be the fuel that ignites in us an unquenchable fire to boldly chase after God's will for our marriages. The beautiful and imminent return of our King is the very thing that motivates us to move beyond our comfort into the amazing, extraordinary, powerful, world-changing good works that God has prepared for each one of us since before time began. How incredibly empowering and encouraging is that? Just before the risen Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20 Jesus gave us a job to spread his gospel around the world and to obey his every command. But that great commission came with a promise. He will be with us. Not only that, but someday he will return to take us. Not only that, but someday he will return to us and take us to himself. John 14, 3. God has entrusted you with tools, gifts, and resources with the command and holy expectation that you will invest them well so that upon his return, he can receive the profit and glory from your lives. Whether or not you believe you are qualified to fulfill this heavenly job doesn't matter because the creator himself put in you the only one who is qualified, the Holy Spirit. You are enough. You are qualified. You are called because you are in him and he is in you. 
And so mm. if you've already read Marriage After God, I hope that you just- You wrote that? That was good. That was really good. I hope that <laughs> lights a fire in your heart to go back to it and revisit some of the things that you uh, maybe encountered in, in our book. But if you haven't read Marriage After God yet, I hope that this lights a fire in your heart to go get a copy and yeah. start reading it with your spouse. Because- this is the reason why Aaron and I, one of the re- many reasons that we were motivated to share this this um, message with marriages so that you guys would have a picture of what are we supposed to be doing while in the midst of waiting for the Lord's return. Yeah. So we're going to be closing soon. And I just wanted to bring up, so in light of this, I, this knowledge, the truth that Christ is returning, there could be this like duality of like, well, like how do I how do I live for today in wisdom knowing that Christ is coming? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there could be, and I'm, I'm sure some have felt this way. Like, well, I might as well just throw everything in the wind. Christ is coming. Like, what's the matter? Like, what's the matter if I do, you know, how my, I organize my life or if I buy a house or get out of debt or like, you're right. Like mm-hmm. the idea, they could take this idea and say, I'm just going to go max on my credit card for the gospel. Like that doesn't sound like a good idea to me, but how do we, how do we have this, this duality of like Christ is coming, but we're still here. And it's this idea of living like there's no tomorrow, but planning like you're going to be here for a hundred years. And so that's the reality for the believer. And and it's actually scriptural. Mm -hmm. You, you see this all throughout scripture. You have this idea of wisdom, living in inheritance, um, uh, building equity, like, and then on the spiritual side of living for Christ and abandoning all. And, and so you have both things happening at the same time. I don't just abandon my family to go preach the gospel. I have my, this is the whole point of our book, marriage after God. My family is a part of my ministry Mm -hmm. is my main ministry. And so I live like there's no tomorrow, but I plan and live my life as if I'll be here for a hundred years. So both happen simultaneously. The hope that Christ is returning should not stop us from living today. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it it excites us and it gives us something to look forward to while we're making those milestones in our daily life, you know, yeah. making those choices with each other as a married couple, um, setting up a legacy so that if Christ doesn't return in a hundred de- in, in within a hundred ge- generations, uh, there's still people on earth that follow him and know him because mm-hmm. we've built a legacy that lasts, not because of us, but because of what God has done yeah. in us. Uh, here's a scripture. <clears throat> so here's a scripture, Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. So this is like something happening mm-hmm. like currently today. Um, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we look forward to the inheritance. Mm-hmm. We look forward to the end, as in Christ returning. But we're not just waiting around, twiddling our fingers. No, it's an, there's an <laughs> earnestness so that we're not sluggish. Yeah, We actually like... We're, we're excited to work that there's another scripture um, that says we don't want to be found lazy by our master. Mm-hmm. The master's going to come home at an unknown hour and find his servant sleeping and being lazy. <laughs> and it talks pretty harshly about what he's going to do to that servant. We want to be not sluggish. We want to earnest the hope of Christ returning mm-hmm. gives us a, 
burning desire to move forward today. Mm-hmm. It, sh- it should not, if it produces the opposite, then you're not understanding what Christ's return means. Mm-hmm. It should produce an excitement. And I think that, I mean, that's what our whole book, Marriage After God's about. Is like, hey, let's like, God's got stuff for us to do. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do it through us and in us. We got to say yes to it. So um, I wanted to end with this question that we touched on a little bit ago in this episode and then end with a scripture. Um, But here's the question for everyone just to, you know, (laughs) sit down on the couch and just discuss it. I was going to say, consider it first, uh, you know, uh, independently of your spouse and and think about what it means to you. And then, yeah, discuss it, discuss it with your spouse. If they didn't get a chance to listen to this episode, re-listen to it with them. Um, But it's this question, does the Lord's return make you consider what is truly a priority? Good question. Yeah. Um, and then I I really had this uh, verse on my heart lately, and it's James 5, 7 through 8. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that word establish, I feel like, is so strong. It's such a strong command to us. Yeah. It means to not let your heart waver, mm-hmm. like make that, make your heart solid on the hope because the coming of the Lord is at hand. <laughs> and he calls us to be patient just like he is patient. Amen. So we must live like there is no tomorrow because no one is guaranteed tomorrow. Yet we must live like we will be here for a long time because we just don't know the appointed time that Jesus is coming back. And And, be okay with that. And while we live here, we live for him. With hope. With the hope because he is coming. Persevering with hope. Love you all. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Um, We like to close in prayer. Dear Lord, we praise you. Not only have you given us salvation through your son, but also the power of your word to know what is to come and to know how we ought to live as we experience life as your people on earth. We look forward to the day Jesus comes back for us, especially in the times we are in. Yet we are faithful to remain steadfast and patient until you, your will is complete. We pray for those who are lost and have not received salvation and ask that your spirit would continue to be poured out to draw them to yourself. Thank you for the hope that you give to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, thank you. I, I hope this encouraged you. Uh, we're, we're excited for Christ coming back and we, we just want you to be as well as his children, as his people. And uh, yeah, look forward to having you next week. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. We're looking for people who have been blessed by this free podcast and our free daily marriage prayer emails and who want to help be a blessing to others. Creating and hosting this podcast and sending out our daily emails do incur a financial cost. And we want to invite you to join our faithful patron team to help financially support these resources so that they can remain free for all who need them. Please join our patron team today and become one of the faithful financial supporters who desires to help bless thousands of marriages around the world. Your support will help us pay for the creation, hosting, and promotion of our podcast and daily emails. Thank you, and we hope to see you become a Marriage After God patron.